Well, we've, we've come to the last Sunday in Advent and the final song in the sermon series entitled The Songs of Christmas. And this final song is the most popular and most recorded Christmas song of all time. And now I want you to imagine, I know it's going to be hard to imagine this because it's like 70 degrees outside, but <clears throat> I want you to imagine uh, walking through the countryside on a winter's day in a place that actually has winter. Snow's covering the ground. There's a stillness in the air. And you begin reflecting on the birth of Christ and the significance of His birth. You begin to picture uh, the baby Jesus sleeping. And then your mind goes to the shepherds who are watching their flocks at night uh, in the silence and stillness of the night. Uh, And then you have the, the silence broken by the announcement of the angels that the Christ child has been born. And it would be this child asleep in a manger that would save the world from their sins. And, and this is the context of the inspiration of this well-known Christmas song entitled Silent Night. Joseph Moore wrote this Christmas poem in 1816 while assigned to a church in Austria. And the stanzas were inspired actually by a winter's walk from his grandfather's home to a church that he was serving in there in Austria. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. So he writes this poem just on the way to church from his grandfather's house one silent winter's day. And this poem would have remained unknown if it weren't for several waves of events that would carry this poem, this song, into every home. The year after he wrote this Christmas poem, Moore was assigned to the position of assistant priest at St. Nicholas Church in Oberndorf, Austria. And because of his love for music, he was put in charge of the music that was used in this small church. And he even wrote uh, poems and uh, song lyrics for special services. And in 1818, during a particularly cold winter, Moore was making last-minute preparations for a special Christmas Eve service, just similar like the one we're going to have this evening. Everything was in place, but as he cleaned and he prepared the sanctuary for the service, he encountered a huge problem. The St. Nicholas organ would not work. And he could not figure out why. It would not play. And so this frantic Moore, he struggled with this old instrument for hours. You know, he made adjustments. He fiddled with the keys. He fiddled with the stops and pedals. And he would he even crawled underneath the console to see if he could figure out the problem. But he could not get the organ to work. And he just prayed and asked God, you know, I want to bring music to the, the congregation tonight. How can I do that? Show me a way to bring special music to this congregation And while trying to come up with a solution, he remembered this poem that he had written a few years prior while he was walking to church from his grandfather's house on that winter day. And so he dug into his desk and he finally found this poem. Now remember, it is Christmas Eve. The organ broke down and he has to try to piece together not only a song, but also a way to play it by that evening. And so he's rushing around. He gets the poem out of his desk And he knows he needs to put music to the poem. And so he calls on his good friend, Franz Gruber. 
Franz Gruber was a 31-year-old school teacher and the organist for St. Nicholas Church. And so Moore explained the situation to Gruber and asked him if he could write music to the words of this poem that can be easily learned by the choir. Right, Floyd? I mean, you know, we got to get this thing done. You need to write it, and we need to learn it, and we need to sing it by tonight. And so with the organ out of commission... They decided to use a guitar as the instrument that would accompany the choir. And so in just a few hours, the the men met back at the church. Moore learned the guitar chords, then presented the song to the choir. And what should have taken weeks to accomplish, they accomplished it in hours. And just after midnight, Moore and Gruber stood in front of the main altar and introduced their simple song to the church. And so all is well with the Christmas Eve service. I hope we don't have that happen tonight because uh, there's, I'm not writing any songs. That's just not going to happen. <clears throat> We're going to have you know, and, and, and Floyd's not going to pick up the guitar by tonight. So I hope everything works for tonight for us. But for them, it all came together. Now, you needed to get the organ repaired, right? So a few weeks later, the organ repairman came and he you know, fixed the organ. And while he's fixing the organ, uh, Morris explaining the situation, how the organ broke, and we had to come up with a song, and had to come up with a new instrument to play with the song, and uh, we got the guitar out. And the man was just fascinated by this, and so he wanted to hear the song, so Moore you know, played the song for him, sang the song for him, and he recorded down the words and memorized the melody. And then as this repairman went from town to town, church to church, repairing organs, he would share this song with the people. And so the song began to spread through Austria. Then the song was picked up by these uh, traveling uh, musicians, folk singers. And in 1839, an Austrian family group, the Rainers, traveled to New York. So it was making its way around Austria. Then the, then the Rainers, in 1839, traveled to New York. And part of their performance in Trinity Church, they sang Silent Night in English. And the song gained popularity. And by the 1860s, it was the most popular Christmas song in America and continues to be uh, one of the most popular Christmas carols today. And there are two reasons why this song became so popular. And the two reasons are the message and the music. You know, the message of the song is clear. The song focuses on the birth of Jesus. And the song recognizes that his birth was unique and world-altering. And the music also complements the message of the song. The music is slow and calming, you know, le- leading you to ponder every word that, that rolls off your lips. Words that first paint a picture of Jesus sleeping at night as a baby in a manger. And then begins to zoom out and consider the significance of that night. Each stanza begins with the line, silent night, holy night. And in the silence, God is at work. And have you noticed, now as I was thinking about the song, Silent Night, Holy Night, you know, have you noticed how God just works in the silence oftentimes? Mm-hmm. He, he tends to work in the silence, in the whisper, in the stillness. Uh, this was true uh, in that sleeping baby in a manger you know, 2,000 years ago, and I think it's still true today. You know, have you noticed how silence tends to magnify your senses? You know, when, when all the vices are shut off and all the cars are, have stopped going down the road, everyone's asleep, you begin to hear things that you just haven't been hearing during the day. You hear maybe a pipe, you know, creaking in the wall or 
Maybe you hear a branch scrape against the shingles on your roof. Or maybe you hear the compressor of your refrigerator turn on or off or the ice drop down out of the ice maker. You know, things that you just miss in the busyness and the loudness of the day. When everything's silent, it just tends to magnify your physical senses. And I think this is true also of our sensitivity to God. You know, when we're still, when we're silent, uh, you know, we, we tend to, to get in touch with, so to speak, uh, things about the Lord and our relationship with the Lord that we just miss when we're in the midst of busyness and loudness. Um, Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 46.10. This is a a verse that you're familiar with, but listen to it again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so in the stillness and the silence, we are to know two things. First, we are to know that He is God. And two, we are to know that He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. Now listen to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly host sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. I love that glory stream from heaven afar. With what? Well, with good news that that leads to great joy. For all the people. And the good news is that Jesus has been born. He is the Savior. And He is the person that will save us from our sins. He is God and He will be exalted in all the earth. And so the question is, will will we be still? Even in the chaos, the busyness, the loudness. Will we be still and know that He is God? You know, what's interesting in Luke. As Mary, the mother of Jesus, begins to... Understand more of what God is doing in the moment and through this child and through her. It says in Luke chapter 2 verse 19 that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Which I think is a great picture of being still, silent, thinking upon what God is doing through Jesus. And I wonder, you know, have you taken time, even this season, to be silent? To be still and to ponder the significance of the birth of Christ and what God is doing through His Son. Well, the good news is it's not too late. It's not too late to be still, to be silent, to ponder, to treasure these things in your heart. Even though Christmas is tomorrow and you may still have gifts to buy, presents to wrap, food to cook, places to go. there's, There's things to do. But the good news is, it's not too late to ponder. And I would encourage you, you try to find time, even if it's just a moment, to reflect on the significance of the birth of Christ and what God has done for us through Christ.
But the good thing about this is that we don't have to just set aside time between Thanksgiving and Christmas to consider the birth of Christ and what God has done through Christ, right? I mean, we are to treasure up these things in our heart and ponder about these things all year long. And I hope you don't limit your pondering to this season alone. I hope you allow the coming of Christ, the gospel, to be on repeat on your mental playlist throughout the year. Just continue to consider what God has done for you in Christ, realizing that that the birth of Christ was the dawn of redeeming grace. More writes in his song, Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. And I love that line. With the dawn of redeeming grace. You ever seen a sunrise? Watch the sunrise? You know, it's dark. And then slowly, the sky begins to brighten. And get brighter and brighter as the sun makes its way up and allows its rays to reach over the curvature of the earth. Things begin to be seen once again as the sun continues to rise and make its light known for all to see. Your radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. You know, the birth of Christ is like a sunrise. It was the dawn of redeeming grace. It was the beginning of this unique and final chapter in God's redemptive plan. And Jesus would rise in stature until he was lifted up on a cross. And his darkest moment on that cross became one of the brightest moments for humanity because of what was, comp- what was accomplished. You know, Luke 19.10, Luke tells us, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And what we see in the gospel is that the way Jesus saves us, saves those of us who are lost and in our sin, is not only through his birth and his life, but also through his death and resurrection. And so in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, this holistic view of the life of Christ and the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, these all make up the redeeming grace that dawned at his birth. And so this redeeming grace, grace is is receiving something good that you did not earn. It's receiving something good that you did not earn. Now, tomorrow, many of you will either give or receive a gift. And I want you to imagine something for a moment. Just imagine that as you give a gift to someone, maybe it's a family member or friend, you're, you're giving this gift to someone, and before they receive it, they leave the room. And they go back to the bedroom and change into their work clothes. And you're wondering, what in the world are they doing? They come back out to the living room, and they begin to make their way for the front door. And you say, well, what are you doing? You know, I'm trying to give you your, your Christmas present, your gift. And they say, well, you know, what I need to do is I need to go outside and rake the leaves. And you say, well, why would you do that? I'm trying to give you your Christmas gift. And then he says, well, you know, I need to earn it. I need to, I need to be worthy of it. I need to somehow pay you back for this gift that you're going to give me here. You know, what would you say to him? Say, you, you, don't, you don't have to earn it. 
You don't have to go leave. You don't have to pay me for this gift because I'm giving you this gift because I love you. All you need to do is receive it, unwrap it, enjoy it. This is grace. This is grace. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. He says, or 8 and 9, excuse me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, it, it is this grace. It's the grace of a loving God sending His Son for us, which enables us to experience forgiveness of our sins through a relationship with Him. And it's this grace of God that makes it possible for us to experience a relationship with God. And so the question that we need to ask is, have we experienced the redeeming grace of God? Have we placed our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins? Have you received the gift of eternal life? You know, many of you knew uh, Carolyn Williams, a wonderful lady. And uh, one, one statement just stood out to, to me when I was having a conversation with her on, on Friday. And she, was, she, she said to me, she said to everyone in the room, is that I'm ready to be with Jesus. Amen. And I wonder, can we say that? Can we say, I'm ready. I'm ready to be with the Lord. And if not, I encourage you to settle that issue now. Take off your work clothes. Take off your work clothes and receive the gift. The gift of salvation that God is offering you through Jesus. And we receive that gift by faith. Faith is believing in who Jesus is and what He has done for you. It is acknowledging that Christ the Savior is born. It is believing that Jesus is Lord at thy birth. And it is the redeeming grace of God that, that dawned at the birth of Christ that makes it possible for us to receive the greatest gift, which is an, an eternal relationship with God. And so if you've received that gift, I want you to take time this season and all year long to be, to be still, to take time to be silent and ponder these things in your heart. And if you've never received this gift, and I can't think of a better time to unwrap that Christmas present than now. To turn from your life that you're trying to, to build apart from God and turn and place your trust in Jesus. And you can do that uh, through prayer. And prayer is simply talking to God. Uh, and prayer is a way of expressing your desires to God. And... Uh, it's a way of telling the Lord what you most want. Just like I'm talking to you, uh, you can talk to God. And so if it's your desire to place your faith in Christ, then I want you to make this prayer that we're going to pray in a moment. I want you to make this your prayer. And so let's just take a moment and let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to ask everyone to close their eyes. And as we pray, if this is your desire, then I want you to repeat this prayer in your heart to God. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've been living my life apart from you. I now recognize that I'm a sinner and that forgiveness can only be found in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I desire that you become my Lord and Savior. 
Lord, and that I want to follow you and Savior, and that you are the only one who can give eternal life. I now turn to you and ask that you come into my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you've made that decision today to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian, if you've unwrapped that present of eternal life, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. It could be a family member, a friend, or you can tell me after the service, either one. But for all of us, may the redeeming grace of God dawn and continue to rise in our hearts throughout this year. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for us, uh, for gathering us here to worship you. Thank you for uh, your redeeming grace that you have poured forth for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, thank you for wonderful songs like Silent Night that call us to reflect and remember and sing about uh, your wondrous love for us and how you have displayed that love through Jesus. Lord, I pray that Uh, over the next few days and weeks and even over this next year, that you would help us to be silent, help us to be still, help us to treasure the good news of the gospel in our hearts and ponder these things often. And we pray these these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.